Hello, my rebels. Today, the vaccine passport kicks in in Ontario. I've got a video for you of a woman being kicked out of a restaurant. I'm not sure if she's homeless. She looks quite poor and maybe not completely in control of her mental faculties, but she's someone who managed to survive on the margins of society. You know, you go into a McDonald's, you often see someone old and maybe not quite 100% there in the head, but they're by themselves, minding their own business, having a cup, hot cup of coffee in the cold. That's over now. Throw the unclean wretch onto the streets. I'll show you a video of that, and I'll tell you my own thoughts on conformity and obedience. That's today's show. I hope you take the time to listen to it and watch it. You can watch it, especially I show you a couple of experiments from the 50s and 60s. Experiments in conformity, experiments in obedience. I want you to see it with your eyes. And for that, you need to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's the video version of this program. Please go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, I promise you. You'll find things you don't find anywhere else. All right, here's today's show. Do you conform? Is there any limit to what you'll go along with? It's September 22nd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. It's the first day of fall and it's getting cooler out. Soon it's going to be really cold. And that's uncomfortable for everyone, but it's really bad for society's homeless. Do the vaccine passports apply to them? What I mean is, will they be allowed to sleep in homeless shelters if they're unvaccinated? How about just getting in out of the cold for a moment? Going to a diner or a coffee shop or McDonald's just to warm up with a hot cup of coffee or a bowl of soup? Is that going to be allowed anymore? Or in the name of public health, are the homeless going to be forced to freeze to death for their health? That's one example of an unintended consequence. We have no idea what all the unintended consequences will be about this atrocious mass experiment conducted unethically. That's what a vaccine passport is, an experiment in public health that's never been done before. Just like the lockdowns were an experiment too, never done before. A disastrous experiment that surely killed more than they saved and caused so many more deaths, ranging from deferred and delayed and canceled cancer exams and treatments to mental health crises and drug overdoses. And now the greatest experiment of them all, forcing the entire community to get a medical injection, whether they want it or not, whether they need it or not, whether they're naturally immune or not, force them on pain of being fired, being expelled from university, being expelled from all social life, being expelled not just from public life, but even from private property, like restaurants and gyms, even if the restauranter or gym owner approves of people coming in. These are not sick people. They're simply people who do not want the vaccine for whatever reason. And the vaccine passport does not keep out sick people. We know that vaccines won't stop you from getting the virus or getting sick or passing it on. Comedian Chris Rock got COVID-19 and got sick from it. He said people should get vaccinated because he really didn't like being sick. They should get vaccinated like him. You know, to be safe like him? Huh? 
<laughs> How far will you go along with this? You've already gone quite far, haven't you? You've become, you've become conditioned to accept quite a bit, haven't you? You've become obedient. You no longer question, you obey, and maybe you've even become a little bit of an enforcer. This is a popular meme, the one man at a Hitler rally not giving the Sieg Heil. That one dissenter, imagine the crushing peer pressure, the pressure on him enough to turn a lump of coal into a diamond, and that man wouldn't bend. One in a million he was. There are a few others, one in a million, Oscar Schindler, who saved hundreds of Jews at risk to his own life. There are brave ones in occupied France. There were the French resistance who fought the Nazi occupation. They were brutally hunted down and targeted for revenge, often mass revenge, group punishment by the Nazis. After the war, everyone claimed they were with the resistance, but that wasn't true, was it? Many Frenchmen were collaborators. Uh, a Frenchman, a great military hero in the First World War, was happy to serve as Hitler's frontman in Vichy, a fake France that collaborated with Hitler. His name was Field Marshal Patin. Oh, there were countless French who thrived in Vichy. They made money. They had power. They were happy to turn in Jews and other enemies of the state. After the war, Patin was convicted of treason, sentenced to death, but they didn't, in the end, execute him because of his service in the First World War. Same thing happened in Norway with Vidkun Quisling. That's a picture of him on the left sitting with Hitler's Nazis. He ran the collaborationist regime there, and he was convicted of treason after the war, and they actually did execute him. But during the war, he was the ultimate patriot, wasn't he? Just ask him. The word quisling to this day means a sellout. You know, it's hard to swim against the current. It's hard to be a dissident. It's hard to disagree. And it's even harder to be disagreeable. But... My point is, we all like to think we're courageous and principled and that we would have been that man who didn't salute Hitler. But it's one thing to think of that when you're surfing the internet and you think about it for a few minutes and then you move on. But that man's name was August Landmesser, the guy who wouldn't salute. And let me tell you a little bit about him. He was a German, ethnic German, who fell in love with a Jew. They got engaged, but they couldn't get married because the Nuremberg Laws were passed forbidding Jews to marry non-Jews. Call it a vaccine passport of the day. Uh, Landmesser was a dissenter. He refused to salute. He didn't like the discrimination. That's the picture, right? But that's not how it ended. Here's how it ended. His Jewish fiance was sent to a concentration camp where she was killed. And Landmesser himself was arrested and imprisoned and was sent into a prisoner's military battalion. Prisoners were forced to fight for Hitler, and he was killed in action. So yeah, you'd like to think you'd be a landmesser, but, but you wouldn't. I mean, not one in a million would. Because we're social creatures. We, we want to be loved. We want to be liked. And more than that, we don't want to be scorned or hated. We don't want the scarlet letter on us or the yellow star. We're much more civilized now, you know? We don't wear yellow stars or we have Vax passports or whatever. It's going to be on your smartphone. So it's so much better than what they did before. I mean, we're so modern. I'm not saying that you or anyone kind enough to subscribe to this channel would be a true collaborator with evil, an actual Quisling or Marshall Patan. 
But would you be quiet and passive when faced with evil? Dante said, a special place was reserved in hell for those who in a time of great moral crisis did nothing. Is that you? It's so easy to be that person. You literally have to do nothing. Just do nothing. Just go watch another Netflix show. Have a nap. Do you remember this video from when we played it for you before? It's the worst video we have ever broadcast. This is a short version of it. I'm not even going to play the long version of it. And I'm warning you, this video upsets me so much. It upsets me for an hour after I'm done watching it. Here's a short version of it. I'm actually not going to watch this now as I play it for you. I'll just put it there for you. I can't stand this video. Here's a tweet I wrote about it a year ago. I said, do not think that our generation is superior to any other. Do you think that if it was us in Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia, that we would have resisted, that our police would have refused orders, that our media would have resisted, that you would have? Here, watch the video while I look away. Distance for? I'm distance. Not from me. Excuse me. Don't touch me. Quite in my way. Excuse me. Don't touch me. Excuse me. I've got all of that on video. Please don't touch her. I'm recording this. She's asking you to remove her hand. Anyone else? Can you please stop moving closer towards me? Can you stop moving closer towards me? Excuse me, she has her son with her and she's done nothing wrong. What a joke. You're embarrassing. You're embarrassing. You are scaring a child. You're embarrassing. You are trying to make a point. She has done nothing illegal. Leave her alone. Stop it. She has her son with her. You're embarrassing. Leave her alone. Can you please not get so close to me? I was social distancing. You have come within a metre and a half of me. I've been social distancing. Keep away from me. You just don't want me recording her. She has her child with her. You are disgusting. You are disgusting human beings. She has her child with her. This is appalling. Are you a mother? Are you a mother? It gets worse. We, we have a longer video that shows more, and it's much, much worse. Imagine doing that. That's Nazi-level stuff. But imagine doing nothing about that. Here's Alberta's health minister. You don't have to go all the way to Australia. Here's Alberta's health minister, who was fired yesterday as health minister, but given a soft landing in cabinet. Here's, here's another Nazi move, hunting unvaccinated people who are gathering in secret in private homes. For unvaccinated people who are 12 and older, they will not be permitted to attend any private indoor social gatherings. Imagine being that evil. Hard to imagine. But now imagine doing nothing about it. That's easy to imagine. That's everyone. Hey, look at this. Here's an experiment from two generations ago. 
It's about conformity. It was designed by Solomon Ash, who was born in Poland in 1907, which was a terrible time and place to be born a Jew. 1907 Poland, almost certain death when you would grow up to be in your 30s. But he was lucky. His family moved to America before Polish Jews were wiped out. And when he was in America, he became a professor and he did studies, including his famous conformity experiments, which tried to answer, why did everyone in Nazi Germany just go along with it? I'm going to play for you a four minute video of his ash conformity experiment. Take a look. But an experiment is not a public opinion poll. It examines behavior under the pressure of social forces, as the experiment of Solomon Ash reveals. The experiment you'll be taking part in today involves the perception of lengths of lines. As you can see here, I have a number of cards, and on each card there are several lines. Your task is a very simple one. You're to look at the line on the left and determine which of the three lines on the right is equal to it in length. All right, we'll proceed in this order. You'll give your answer. Only one of the people in the group is a real subject, the fifth person with the white T-shirt. The others are confederates of the experimenter and have been told to give wrong answers on some of the trials. The experiment begins uneventfully as subjects give their judgments. Two, 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 three, 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 three. But on the third trial, something happens. Two. 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 Uh, two. The subject denies the evidence of his own eyes and yields to group influence. One. Ash found subjects went along with the group on 37% of the critical trials. One. But he found through interviews One. that they went along with the group for different reasons. One. One. They must be right. There are four of them and one of me. One. This subject's yielding is based on a distortion of his judgment. He genuinely believes that the group is correct. One. 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 Two. One. Two. 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 I know they're wrong, but why should I make waves? Two. In this case, the subject knows he is right, but goes along to avoid the discomfort of disagreeing with the group. Here, the distortion is at the level of his response. Two. 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 In the previous experiment, the naive subject stood alone against the group. In this variation, Ash gave the naive subject a partner here seated in the third position, who also gives the correct response. One. One. Two. One. Um, Two. With a partner, yielding drops to only 5% of the critical trials compared to 37% without a partner. Although subjects report warmth and good feeling toward the partner, they typically deny that he played a role in their own independence. The partnership variation shows that much of the power of the group came not merely from its numbers, but from the unanimity of its opposition. Do you do that? Yes, you do. You think masks are normal now, don't you? You know they're not. But everyone else acts like they are, so 
you wear one. Just not to cause a fuss, that's why. You don't believe in them. You know they don't make sense, but that's not the point. You don't want discord, you want peace, you want to be liked. Or more importantly, you don't want to be disliked. You know where you can find peace? You can find peace in a prison cell too, in a grave even. There are other things in life besides peace. There's always the peace of surrender. So now we know a little bit more about conformity. What about conformity and obedience? And conformity and obedience and evil. Stanley Milgram was another Jewish professor. Here's his experiment. It's atrocious and completely believable. If you've watched any police misconduct this past year, you know this is right. Take a look at this video and then think about police beating peaceful anti-lockdown protesters. Or think about the police who arrested Arthur Pawlowski on the road, SWAT team style. Watch this to understand violence. A decade earlier, psychologist Stanley Milgram had also looked at how we respond to authority. In order to understand how people were induced to obey unjust regimes and participate in atrocities such as the Holocaust, he set up an experiment. Volunteers were told they were taking part in scientific research to improve memory. You open those and tell me which of you is which, please. Separated by a screen, the teacher would ask the learner questions in a word game and administer an electric shock when the answer was incorrect. He was told to increase the voltage with each wrong answer. Cloud, horse, rock, house. Answer, wrong. 150 volts. Answer, horse. Oh. Experiment, that's all. Get me out of here. Get me out of here, please. Participants didn't know that the learner was really an actor, and the so-called shocks harmless. You're gonna get a shock. 180 volts. I'm responsible for anything that happens here. Continue, please. All right, next one, slow. Walk, dance, truck, music. Two-thirds of volunteers were prepared to administer a potentially fatal electric shock when encouraged to do so by what they perceived as a legitimate authority figure. In this case, a man in a white coat. 375 volts. I think something's happened to that fall in there. Milgram's findings horrified America. They showed that decent American citizens were as capable of committing acts against their conscience as the Germans had been under the Nazis. And they did all that, and what was the authority? Because a man was wearing a white coat. He wore a white coat, so you know he was a scientist. I mean, who else would wear a white coat? And don't you have to do whatever a man in a white coat says? And you know, we've had dozens of people wearing white coats on TV this past year and a half, telling us to do things to ourselves, but worse, telling us to do things to our elderly parents and our young children. And you know what? We've done them. We have done them. And now come vaccine passports, the mass unpersoning, the mask 
apartness, apartheid, in the original of Afrikaans, or Untermenschen in the language of German, Untermenschen, underclass, underpeople, unclean people, and the glee in collaborating. Here's a rock concert by an indie band called the Kaiser Chiefs. Indie, that means independent. Sure they are. Kaiser Chiefs, more like Pfizer Chiefs. Take a look at this. See your hands again. Celebrate being clean with Pfizer. Demonize the unclean Untermenschen. So yeah, get ready for a lot more of this. I, I had something stolen, so I have... Okay, but I, and I need to see here yeah, I'm not seeing. Please help. I have my vaccine. This is, this is a very, very serious problem. I have my vaccine. Problem. You can call my doctor. That was just today. That was today. Get out, you unclean woman. Get out into the cold. Get out into the street. No food for you. You can sleep in the street. We can't have your uncleanliness near us. We're the clean ones. Even the Premier of Quebec says so. Look at this. On n'a pas le choix. Je le répète là. Moi, j'étais patient dans un hôpital. J'accepterais pas qu'une infirmière non vaccinée soit proche de moi. So he would not accept an unvaccinated nurse even standing next to him? A nurse who had worked for the last 18 months without a vaccine, who we were told were the heroes, but she would be unclean to him. Cast her out. Do you accept that? Do you conform to that? Will you accept that? Will you be obedient? Will you help conduct that and prosecute that? Is that Canada? Is that who you are? Stay with us for more. Well, last night I was honored to be a co-host of an event featuring Tucker Carlson, the biggest name in cable news in the United States, the biggest show on TV. He's a great conservative activist, but he also is not partisan. He talks to well-meaning liberals, whether it's Glenn Greenwald or um, you know Democrats who are not blinded by partisanship. Tulsi Gabbard comes to mind. He also has a gentle ribbing for Canada, but I think it's because he likes us and he fears what's happening to us under Trudeau. The event was sponsored by the Democracy Fund and was hosted by Dr. Charles McVitie at his Canada Christian College. It was a great get-together, hundreds of people on location and hundreds more watching via a private Zoom link. Great event. It was a Civil Liberties Town Hall. And I tell you this because it was exciting to hang out with Tucker Carlson and that we plan to do many more of these events and I'm going to make sure that you know about them with more lead time. We put together this whole Tucker event in only one week. We had 1,200 people who participated. It was wonderful. Imagine how we could have done with one month's notice. So we'll keep you posted on that. 
But I want to tell you that the day we chose last night was strategic because it was mere hours before the government of Ontario brought in its vaccine mandate, its vaccine passport, which means today and all days forward, you are not allowed even to go into a gathering hall, conference center, restaurant, coffee shop, gym, meeting place of any sort, unless you subject yourself to a vaccine injection, whether you want it or not, whether you need it or not, whether you have natural immunity or not, you're simply being segregated. As Tucker said last night, this is a Rosa Parks moment. Who will step up and defy it? I thought that was an excellent observation and maybe one that an outsider, an American had to make. So what are the rules? And how is it in Ontario? Joining me now, right now, is our friend Andrew Lawton, a host of the Andrew Lawton Show on True North uh, News. Great to see you again, Andrew. I'm, I'm wobbled just thinking about it. It's shocking to me how we went from two weeks to flatten the curve to you're banned from every public place unless you get an injection. But you can believe us, this is only temporary. It's shocking how far we've gone in such a short term. Yeah, and not just as a society, but even politically in Ontario. Doug Ford was the guy who just a couple of months ago was scoffing at the idea of vaccine passports, saying he doesn't believe in a split society, a segregated society. And you fast forward just a little bit of time. And now all of a sudden, if you want to go out to eat in Ontario, you not only have to be vaccinated, but also have to disclose that. You have to show your papers to the host at the restaurant, the trainer at the gym, whatever else, just to get your seat at a table partaking in the benefits of being in what's supposed to be a free society. Yeah. Um, these massive public health prescriptions, that's really what they are. None of them have been tested. None of them have been proven to be effective and to have fewer side effects. I'm not talking about the medicine called the vaccine. I'm talking about lockdowns, about having children do school via Zoom, of dehumanizing each other with masks, and now vaccine passports, none of them have been proven to be effective or proven that they're a net public health positive as opposed to a massive negative. This is a giant experiment in which we have all been uh, condemned, commanded. There's no option here. And one of the central tenets of medicine is voluntariness. You can't do a surgery on someone if they don't want it. You can't give people a remedy if they don't want it. I mean, in some cases, a child cannot make those decisions or someone who doesn't have mental capacity, but we never before have ordered people to undergo a medical procedure that they don't want, don't need in many cases, and don't understand in most cases. I find this deeply troubling. Yeah, and, and again, Justin Trudeau having been reelected now, we just know that this is going to be expanding to boarding a flight, boarding a train, anyone who works in a federally regulated sector. It could be that to appear on uh, cable news in some case, you need to be fully vaccinated and show your papers. One of the big things when we've heard some of the few doctors that have been able to speak out against a lot of these measures and talk about what it means to live with it in the endemic stage, to just accept that it's all around us. We look at the charts in most jurisdictions around the world, and they all look fairly similar. Places that went into full lockdown, places like Sweden that did not, 
uh, within Canada. You see it in Alberta versus Ontario, uh, Texas, New York, Florida. And, and there's something to that that I, I think is missing from this discussion in that all of these jurisdictions, regardless of mask mandates, regardless of lockdowns, still had fundamentally the same trajectory, yet still almost two years into this. And we're buying into this idea that we need to take the most risk averse, most extreme approach to flatten the curve. You know, it's it's funny you say that because Israel, which is one of the most vaxxed places in the world, they're literally on their fourth dose now. And if you, quote, only have two doses, you're considered unvaxxed. Like it's a never ending conveyor belt. Um, they have record cases. And so, I mean, Chris Rock the other day, the 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 comedian, he announced that he had COVID-19. He said it was very unpleasant. Um, and that he recommended people get a vaccine. But it, it later emerged that he himself had two vaccine shots. So I, I, the whole thing seems to break down for me. The, you know, I, I heard a joke last night at, at our event. The protected want the unprotected to get protection that isn't protecting the protected. Like, how does Chris Rock, who got sick with the vaccine advise people without the vaccine to get the vaccine so maybe he won't get sick again. Like it, so many question marks here, um, but, that, but there's no public health rationale to it. They're saying the vaccine passport will force people to get the injection. They're not even arguing that the vaccine passport will stop infections anymore. They're just saying it'll force people to comply with other things. They're expressly admitting it's a political, bullying tactic. It's not a medical remedy. They're not, they're, no one is claiming that this will make society healthy. They're just saying it'll make society compliant. I, don't, I think they've dropped the, the mask completely and they're showing this is just about control. Am I, am I exaggerating? No, and, and I, I want to be very clear here that I, I'm entirely pro-vaccine, if that's what you want. I'm vaccinated myself, and, and I take the view that I got vaccinated to protect myself, and other people make the decisions that are right for them. Forced vaccination, which is basically what the vaccine passport is, goes uh, into a direction from which there is no coming back as a society. And you've talked about booster shots. The other frontier that's going to very much change this is when they start to lower that minimum age more and more. Mm -hmm. uh, there are going to be a lot of issues when all of a sudden you have to get your five, six, seven-year-old vaccinated to go to public school. And I know a lot of parents that were completely fine getting vaccinated themselves, but when it gets to young children, that would be a line in the sand. And all of a sudden, once you increase the number of eligible people for vaccines, your numerator, the number of people that have been vaccinated relative to the denominator, goes down. So all of these targets that lawmakers give us of, oh, when X percent of the population is vaccinated, well, once they expand eligibility to children, that percentage is going to go down, which means we are very much in this for the long haul. You know, Jesse Kelly, he's a, an American pundit. He's got a great sense of humor. Um, he had a tweet the other day and I, I started to read it and I, I thought, no, this is too much. But by the time I, I finished, I believed it. He said, if the government were to, were to announce the sky was green, we'd laugh. But then the media would say the sky is green. There would be scientific studies that the sky is green. Um, you would be prosecuted for saying the sky is not green. Celebrities would say it. And pretty soon people would say, yeah, yeah, it's green. I, I see it. I see it now. 
Uh, he, he said it more succinctly than me in his tweet. But I thought, no, that's absurd. But then I thought, no, no, that is absolutely not absurd. People will say that to conform. They'll say that because they start to doubt their own senses and faculties. And because if he said it, and if that authority, and because it's not, then what's happening is it's testing their own personal confidence versus their confidence in every other institution in the world. And so at first I rejected this idea by Jesse Kelly, but then I thought, no, that's exactly right. And I mentioned that because, Andrew, you say, if they're forcibly vaccinating five-year-olds now, that that will be the line in the sand for Canadians. And I say, for some of them, maybe. But look at how far we've gone. Oh, it's just two weeks. Oh, it's just a mask. Oh, it's, it's just school by Zoom for, for a little week. Oh, it's just, it's just two shots. Oh, it's just a booster. It's just vaccine passports. Oh, we're just going to connect that to other other vaccines or other health data. I don't agree with you. I think that you will have the same peer pressure and mania, even if they were forcibly injecting babies, Andrew. Well, it's two years to flatten the curve now. And, and this is the problem. I mean, the moving goalposts of the pandemic early on were, were very notable. But now I, I think a lot of people who were even doing everything they were supposed to do for the last 18, 19, 20 months are, are starting to sour on this. So a lot of people who say, OK, yeah, I'll, I'll be locked down for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll avoid opening my restaurant or opening my business. Yeah, I'll avoid uh, leaving the country. Yeah, I'll get vaccinated. A lot of those people who did everything in good faith, thinking that the government was operating in good faith, are now saying, well, well, hang on, when's it ending? Is it, you know, 16 shots to flatten the curve? You know, at a certain point, these are the questions that, that people will have, children, uh, boosters, all of these things. And, and when you have a vaccine passport, Justin Trudeau tried to do this during the campaign to say, no, 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 it's not mandatory. You have a choice. No one's forcing you to get vaccinated. When you start closing off civil society to people who do not get vaccinated, you are effectively mandating vaccination. So I, I don't buy into the semantics that a lot of the lockdown mongers have been giving us on this. Yeah. You know, in Australia, construction workers finally stood up. And I don't know if you've been following that. Uh, construction workers were allowed to work throughout the lockdown, as they have been generally here in Canada, too. And uh, suddenly, the head of the construction union basically did a deal with the government in a state of Victoria, Australia, that, that they would require anyone working on a construction site to be jabbed. And the members gathered, there was about a thousand of them gathered outside the office of the union. And I got to say, they had a, a mini riot. Like they started smashing things and throwing things. And now it's turned into almost a full week of public protest against the jab. It took that union membership to stand up to their own union bosses to show just how widespread I won't even say vaccine skepticism is, but I mean, these construction workers were fine until someone said, you are going to be forced to get the jab to work. You know, they don't care what other people do. They just care that they're being forced into it. In fact, it was so incredible. Uh, this union membership threatened to picket, to blockade any construction site that went vaccine mandatory. So I think what I've learned from that, if, I'm, if there's anything to learn from it, is it maybe that there is more widespread opposition to the forced 
nature of these vaccines that we think, but it just needs that seed crystal, that first spark to light a fire like happened to this trade union in, in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, and I and I think the people that go through that transition are going to be the most likely to eschew the booster shots when all of a sudden to be considered, quote unquote, fully vaccinated, you need a third shot. I, I heard from someone the other day who said, you know, they're a fully vaccinated anti-vaxxer now in the sense that they're not actually against the vaccine. They're not against vaccines in general, but they're against what's become of this and, and how COVID vaccination has become this political cudgel that w- was, was an election issue. And, and very few people, in fact, no one would the exception of the PBC that was really standing up against that idea that, would, that Justin Trudeau was putting forward, that this is now a part of your Canadian citizenship, basically. You have to be vaccinated to enjoy the full rights of being a Canadian. Yeah. Uh, other than new immigrants or refugees, of course, they're not screened either in Canada or the United States. Um, I note that Justin Trudeau announced that he has purchased in advance 400 million booster shots. As you know, the Canadian population is about 38 million. So that's literally 10 for every man, woman, child, and baby. Um, That suggests that this vaccine mandate will not end with two shots or even one booster. That suggests that we are in a perpetual pharmaceutical, you know, captive market. I just, I'm terrified of what's coming. The idea of forcibly injecting people, it reminds me of a clockwork orange. It reminds me of horror movies where people are strapped down and injected, where people are declared insane and given drugs against their will. Um, I'm, I'm actually scared about it, Andrew. And I think that Justin Trudeau, even though he got the, lo- the lowest percentage of vote of any winning party in history in Canada, with one of the lowest voter turnouts in con- history in Canada, he said on election night that he feels he has a clear mandate to proceed with all his schemes. He said it. Yeah, and remember, just to look at the longevity of this, Justin Trudeau had mentioned that the temporary vaccine passport for travel is going to be coming out in December, which he said will be in place for about a year until the government could put a more permanent option in place. (laughs) So you're looking at uh, the beginning of 2023 for the permanent long-term Government of Canada vaccine passport to come into effect. Governments do not take away. Governments do not dismantle things. They only build, they only add on, and they only expand. So if government is creating the infrastructure of this uh, beyond the booster shots, my concern is what if this becomes now uh, commonplace for the flu shot every year? Mm-hmm. I'm not against the flu shot. I've gotten it some years. I've not gotten it other years. It's not something that I'm worried about for myself because I know that if I get the flu, there's a near certain chance that I'll be okay. I don't have any family members in long-term care that I need to deal with. So it's not a priority for me. But what if all of a sudden, okay, Flu shot comes out. You got to update your vaccine passport, put another stamp. It's going to start looking like a spring breaker who's just traveled the world by the end of it. You've got got to have so many stamps on the passport for it to even count. Yeah. You know, I was just looking at the new rules for the vaccine passport in Ontario, and it applies, for example, to restaurants and bars and theaters and bingo halls and gyms and swimming pools. Um, if I can jump in there for a moment, yeah. I, the gym one I find fascinating. So we, we are trying to keep people healthy. Mm-hmm. So we're going to deny people the right to go to a gym if they're not vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, and taking health advice from Doug Ford, who, like me, uh, could probably afford to get a little fitter before giving advice to others. Uh, I mean, that, that's, that sticks in the craw. But I'm just laughing uh, because, of course, the vaccine passport applies to strip clubs, 
bathhouses, and sex clubs. I honestly don't know what a sex club is. I presume it's a club where people go to have sex. Uh, so you need a COVID vaccine. You need to prove you don't have COVID to get in there. I'm guessing there might be a few other infections, sexually transmitted diseases, but um, they're going to text. You can't get in if you've got if you don't have a COVID vaccine. But of course, if they would dare ask you about a sexual illness, well, that would be unconstitutional. I find this all madness. Um, switching gears a little bit, Aaron O'Toole, the conservative leader, really said nothing that was essentially different from Justin Trudeau, Jagmeet Singh, or the other party leaders on the vaccine mandate. The the most he would say is, "I'm not going to interfere with provinces as they do it." But he wouldn't speak out even morally in defense of freedom. Of course, there's a federal role too. Trudeau said he'll spend a billion dollars nationalizing the vaccine passports. Trudeau the federal government, of course, is in charge of international uh, gatekeeping. So for Aaron O'Toole just to duck the question by saying it's not my department, well, this is the issue of our age. And he was silent on it. I think that's one reason why the PPC vote tripled, because at least Maxime Bernier would talk about it. Switching gears here a bit, do you think that Aaron O'Toole failed in this election? And do you think he ought to have some sort of reckoning over it? Listen, so many people in the pundit industrial complex have been trying to spin a way that a win can be a loss and a loss can be a win. I think a win is a win and a loss is a loss. It's that simple. The conservatives lost this election. They gambled and Aaron O'Toole's team gambled on what the winning strategy would be if it paid off. If Aaron O'Toole had won the election, I think a lot of people would probably fall in line on things like the carbon tax and the firearms flip-flop and the conscience rights flip-flop and all of these other things, CBC funding, but he lost and the conservatives lost. And I I think there needs to be a reckoning in some form. I don't know if he's going to uh, submit himself to a leadership review on an expedited basis or if he's going to wait and slow walk it until the constitutionally mandated one in the conservatives next convention, which is about two years from now. It's difficult to say, but, but I think that Aaron O'Toole did not at all try to hold on to the base. And and it's one thing to try to expand the base and bring in new supporters. You can't turn your back on the people who got you there. And in his case specifically, he was elected leader because of his appeals to the base. Mm -hmm. So when those people feel like they have nothing in you to support, Mm -hmm. it's not going to go well. And, And he's already, there's a reason that less than 24 hours after polls closed and you already had someone on conservative national council launching a petition to oust Aaron O'Toole. That's, I think, probably reflective of a lot of very real anger in the party right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you spent some time on the conservative campaign bus during the election, and I know you talked to Aaron O'Toole. I also know you have an interest in firearms rights, your documentary, Assaulted.ca. Um, I think Aaron O'Toole lost some momentum when he allowed the issue of firearms to put him on the defensive for a couple days. And now, you would know the details better than me. It looked to me like he caved in. Now, is that spin or did he really cave in on that promise in the middle of the campaign? 
Oh, no, 100%. And, and this wasn't just a flip on his leadership platform. This was a flip on the platform that he gave to reporters and to the public and to conservatives on the very first full day of the campaign. There were very uh, clear promises in there. One of them was to repeal the order in council that the liberals adopted in May of 2020 that banned about 1,500 different types of, of popular firearms, including the AR-15, among others. And, and, and O'Toole said he was going to repeal that. And then after a few days of bad press, he said, okay, we're going to keep the ban in place and then we're going to launch a review of the system of classification. Now, a lot of gun owners took that as a wink-wink. They say, okay, he, he, he's going to do it after the review, but he, he can't say it right now because it's politically toxic to do it. The liberals still attacked him for doing exactly that. They said, oh, okay, now he's just going to do the review and then roll back the ban. And I'm also of the mind now that politicians have turned their back on their base so many times that I don't want the wink wink. I want a politician who's actually going to be unafraid to take a stand and own it and actually build the foundation to sell that policy rather than caving when the Globe and Mail asks a mean question. Yeah, and, and one thing, um, and again, this is something that Tucker said last night. He said, when normal people lie, children lie, they have a grain of truth in what they say because they try and mislead because their conscience comes through. Did, eight cookies are missing. Did you have any cookies? No. Okay, well, maybe I had one cookie. Like Tucker, it was very funny. He was talking about how kids lie. They lie with a drop of truth and they hang on to that truth for their conscience. And he said, whereas leftists, they lie point blank. And he talked about how Stalin would get his victims to sign confessions before he killed them. He would get his victims to accept the blame for their own murders. And that, that audacity, that audacious, conscience-free lie is a tactic of the left. And, and so I think that conservatives, because we, I, I don't, which I, I, I mean, listen, every human lies, I suppose, but Aaron O'Toole, you know, by, by bending the knee, by apologizing, by explaining, the left didn't stop their lies about them. The left didn't stop blaming him. The left didn't give him a pass on the issue. They took it as a victory and they rubbed his face in it. He didn't profit in any way from that. And I think that I, I don't know what kind of a liar Aaron O'Toole is. I know that on everything from the carbon tax to firearms to you know, his profession that he doesn't believe in cancel culture. Every one of those things is no longer true. I don't know what kind of a liar he is, but I just don't, I don't trust the guy. And Andrew, I know you really care about firearms rights. And I, what I'm hearing, you feel like you were utter, utterly betrayed. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, if what you're saying is true, I think you have been betrayed on your core issue. Yeah, and, and I should say I'm not a single issue voter. I mean, firearms are, are something I care about. I also care about free speech. I also care about CBC funding. I mean, there are a lot of things that I care about yeah. that I've reported on. So I, I do I take it as a personal betrayal? No. Yeah. But do I look at it as a commentator, as a journalist, and as a gun owner? whose firearms are now in jeopardy, my lawfully owned firearms because the liberals got reelected. But had the conservatives been reelected, the same thing would have applied. Yeah. Well, I tell you, we're in dark days and uh, I always like to be an optimist. You have to be a happy warrior. You have to have some hope to keep you going. As the Pope, uh, Pope John Paul II 
said, where there's life, there's hope. I think that's a, there's a, that's a Catholic belief, but others can believe it too. The Jews um, celebrate the numerology of Chai, which means life. When Jews say L'chaim to life, there's a spark of hope there. It's uh, You have to have that white pill, uh, that hope that something can get better. Um, but there's not a lot of that right now. I see bad news all around, and I see that so many forces in society are heading towards more authoritarianism. We should remember that the liberty that our generation enjoyed and that our parents enjoyed was not the normal state of affairs in the world. That was an anomaly in the sweep of history. In the last 5,000 years of recorded history, freedom and peace is not the norm. It was the exception, and I fear that we're slouching back, if not to war, although I fear we're headed back to war as well, I fear we're slouching back to, um, as Hobbes would say, a life that's nasty, brutish, and short if you don't take the big pharma jab of the day. And on that very sober note, I'm going to bid you adieu because I know I've kept you too long. Andrew Lawton, it's great to see you again. Never too long. Always good to see you. All right. There you have it. Andrew Lawton with TrueNorth.News. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back on my show last night. Corey writes, I predict Bernier and the PPC's support going forward will be very durable. His campaign over the past month has made me a supporter for life, and I suspect many others as well. Well, I tell you, we sure need some force promoting freedom because I don't see another one in the Canadian political firmament. I'm a little disappointed they only got just over 5%. I had led myself to believe that they would get maybe 10%, but you know what? It was still powerful to see it. PJ writes, Nothing but respect for Avi and Rebel Media. I tell you, Avi has been on fire in Australia. Australia has been on fire. I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's a full-on civil war. I was watching Avi's latest work. Police are coming out with guns, um, storming things. At a, at a shrine of remembrance, it's a big war memorial in Melbourne. Police are storming it because protesters are there. I think Australia is truly a former civil war. It's becoming a rogue state, a police state, an authoritarian state. You know, there were media drones filming it, and the police requested that the drones be banned, not for safety reasons, they were completely safe, being operated as normal, but so that their own misconduct could be hidden. And that was approved by the government. I say, if you want to see the future, look to Australia in terms of civil liberties, look to Israel in terms of a perpetual vaccine and booster mandate. These are the worst of times. It's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters in Toronto, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.